Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Awesome. Well, if you're our guest here this morning, maybe it's your first time here at New Community Church. I want to start just by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we're so excited that you're here with us this morning. Um, We want you to feel right at home, and you've picked a great Sunday to come. We're kicking off a brand new series called Better Together. So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about this idea, how God has meant for us to be together. You can see some great duos up there, some some people, probably faces and personalities that you're familiar with um, that you always picture together, right? It's hard to imagine some of them by themselves. How many of you guys could name most of the people in that opening video? Okay, most of them are familiar and, and it's hard, as I said, to think of one of them kind of separate from the other, one of them by themselves. It seems like they just go together. And that's what we believe um, about how God has created us, that you were not meant to live your life on your own. And if you're pursuing a relationship with God, you weren't meant to do that by yourself. Christianity and and living um, this relationship with God isn't just about us, but it's about the connections that God has given us with other people. And we truly believe that, that we're better together. And so God has given us one another to encourage each other, to challenge each other, to pray for one another, to support one another. And we want to spend the next few weeks looking at what Jesus says about the relationships that he's put us in, what scripture says about these relationships, the impact that it can have when we're connected to one another and what the word of God says about that. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to do that. You can take out the sermon card in front of you. It's a little note card that says sermon notes, or you can pull out your smartphone or a tablet. You can take notes on that. This morning, we want to talk about Jesus and the church. Jesus and the church. What does the word of God say about the church? What what does it mean to be a part of the church? And what does that look like? And how can we um, look at that idea that we are better together? And we're going to start by this idea. Many of us have a lot of different thoughts whenever we think about the word church. Um, And part of that may be how you grew up or the background that you come from. But I just want to make sure we're all starting on the same page. When we talk about this idea of the church, we're not talking about this building, you guys. Okay? It's not something that you come to on a Sunday morning. It's not a service time. It's not 930 or it's not 11 o'clock. That's not what the church is. You are the church. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about each and every one of you. That's how God made us. When he's looking at the church, he's not talking about some organization or some entity out there. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about this group of believers that get together um, at different times throughout the week that encourage, that challenge each other, that help each other grow. That's his picture of the church. And so it has nothing to do with the building or where you meet at. It has to do with the connections and the relationships for each other. And Jesus talks about this idea of the church. He talks about this idea how we're better together, that there's something that happens whenever we get together as believers. There's something that takes place. There's there's an impact that can take place and that happen. And, And so I want us to think about that this morning, the impact of the church, what that means, the believers that God has brought together. I've had the privilege of seeing the church in a number of different settings before I came here a couple of years ago and took over the lead pastor position. I was a missions pastor at a different church. 
And as part of that is I would work with kind of the, the city that I was in and some of the school districts and those, but I would also travel quite a bit. And so I was in a lot of different parts of the world. I saw the church on a Sunday morning in Argentina where they had to every week rent out a stadium, five to 10,000 people, Christians packing in there. And the church was in operation in Argentina. And there's people being saved every week, people being freed from addictions, people being freed from demon possession. I mean, it was amazing to see the church worshiping together, a whole soccer stadium of people lifting up their hands and worshiping God. See, that's a picture of the church. I've also seen the church in Southeast Asia, where I was there with a group of about 20 believers. And we're in this little bamboo hut. I mean, if you can picture this in your mind, it's kind of a rickety type thing. I didn't even know if it was going to hold 20 of us. But the church is gathered there on a Sunday morning. And in their own setting, in their own language, the church is reaching out and making an impact to its place, to where they're at, right there in Thailand, across the border into Burma. They're making a difference. That's the church. The church is this. It's the group of people. I mean, just take a moment. Look at the people behind you that you hardly ever see in the service. Look at the people in front of you. This is the church. God is using this group of people right here. Not this building, not a certain time in the week. God is using each and every one of us to make a difference. See, there's something that happens whenever we're together, whenever we're united together, that God says, this is my plan for the world. This is the hope of the world, is this group of believers right here, the church that meets together, that gathers together, and there's an impact that can happen whenever we realize that we are better together. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. We're not meant to do this alone. And so I want to look at the scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start reading at verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There should be a Bible in the seat in front of you. It may be one or two seats over, but you can um, open up that Bible and turn to page 480. And if you don't own a Bible, if you don't have a Bible at your home, we want you to take that with you. That's our gift to you this morning. We believe that God's word challenges us and that it grows us. And so we want to encourage you to open it up daily and to read God's word. And so once again, if you don't own a Bible, you can take that with you. We're looking at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And once you have that, you can hold that place for just a moment. And I want to tell you what's going on in this part of the Bible. Matthew has written about the life of Jesus. And he wrote about the birth. And now at this point in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has been ministering. He's an older person. He's an adult now. And he's been ministering for a couple of years. And he has a group of 12 teenage young men that are around him. Sometimes when we picture the disciples or this group of men around Jesus, we think of old guys in beards, but that's not actually how they were. These were actually young men, most of them probably 16 to 20 years old. And they've been following Jesus for a couple of years now. And they've seen Jesus do a lot of things. They've seen the eyes of blind people being opened. They've seen lame people, those that couldn't walk, get up off of the ground and begin to jump and run around. They've seen people that were dead get up out of their coffin and begin to function once again, life being breathed back into them. All of these things are happening. And so in the nation that Jesus is in, in the nation of Israel at that time, everyone's talking about this man. They're all discussing who is this person named Jesus. Is he just a good teacher? Is he from God? Some people believed he was from Satan, that he was doing all of these things by the power of Satan. And so everyone has a different opinion. And in this passage, Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about what people are saying about him. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, this is what it says. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, 
Who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's talking about himself there. And the disciples answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline that last sentence. Even if you grabbed one of the Bibles from the seat in front of you, he says that on this rock I will build my church. I'm going to build this group of people on this foundational statement you said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's going on here? Once again, there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions. And so some people are saying, well, we think this is reincarnation. One of the prophets of old has come back and God's using them to do a lot of signs, to do a lot of miracles. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, I'm not as concerned what other people are saying. What do you think? What is it that you think? And Simon says, I know this. You're the Christ. You're God's plan of salvation. You're God's plan of redemption. You're the answer to the sin issue in the world. You are the son of the living God. You've come to breathe life into people that are dead. That's why you're here, Jesus. That's what I believe. And Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, you didn't read this in the newspaper. This isn't from another person. This is God that has revealed this to you. This is a powerful truth that you've recognized, Simon. And this is what he says on this truth right here, on this word that you just spoke, on this truth that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to establish my church. I'm going to show people that they're actually better together. And even the gates of hell will not stand against it. See, this is what Jesus says, that we're better together. Together, church, we can stop hell. Together, we can stop hell. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about the word you say when you stub your toe, okay? Or what you say when you get angry. I'm talking about the literal forces of the enemy. I'm talking about Satan and the demonic forces that are trying to destroy our life. And Jesus says, when people get together, when they realize the impact that can happen, when a group of believers start to unite together, there's nothing that can stop them. See, there's this powerful visual thing that's happening that we don't always see as we read this passage here because we kind of read through this and we kind of get the idea of what's happening, but the disciples could see it in front of them. Because they're in the district of Caesarea Philippi, which probably doesn't mean a lot to you and it doesn't mean a lot to me whenever I first started reading this passage. But I started studying what is Caesarea Philippi, and it was this area in the nation of Israel that had a lot of trade, a lot of importing, a lot of exporting. And so because of that, there was a lot of different nationalities and a lot of different cultures that were there. And there was one culture, this Greek influence that came in, and in the area of Caesarea Philippi, they had found um, on the side of this mountain, kind of this rocky mountain, there was this cave. There were other enclaves kind of cut into the side of this mountain right there. And as they went into one of the caves, they found this natural spring, this natural well. And as they started to go down, and I don't know why they did that, but they were wondering how deep is this well, they couldn't get to the bottom of it. I mean, they're lowering things down and they're trying to measure how deep this thing is, and they can never reach the bottom of it. And so they come to this assumption, this is the place of the gods. And it's a specific God 
So they set up this temple in Caesarea Philippi, right outside where Jesus is teaching or having this discussion with his disciples. And they set up this temple to the god Pan. The god Pan was a Greek god who was the god of the desolate places. He was the god of the dark region. They considered him an evil god who overs- he oversaw the gates of hell, literally the entry place. They thought this goes down into the deepest parts of the world. This is literally the gates of hell. And so they set up a temple there to begin to worship the god Pan. And in this visual illustration, Jesus is standing there with this group of 12 teenage guys that are probably scared to be in a place that, that's, that is that dark, that's that evil, that are worshiping other gods. And he says, I want you to realize this, that when the church gets together, when the church realizes what I've called them to do, not even the most dark places, not even the desolate places can stand up against what I've called and what I've set out for my church to accomplish. What does that mean? It means the things that you see in the newspaper, the things that you see on the TV, the shootings and all of these things that you're looking and you're saying, God, what's going on? What's the answer? What's the solution? You are church. You're what God is looking at saying, hey, I put you here on this earth. Whenever you get together, whenever you're united, you know what? Even the gates of hell cannot stand up against my church. Even the most dark places, you want to know what is the answer? You want to know what God said will stop the forces of evil? It's you. It's you. It's when you connect with other believers and you start to realize that statement. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The power of that, the power that comes with that. He says, my church is going to be built on that truth and nothing is going to stand against it. Nothing can stop it, church. People have tried. There are governments all throughout history that have tried to stamp out the church, that have tried to kill Christians, that have made it illegal. Jason, our worship pastor, was just sharing this morning as we gathered in this room um, before the first service and we were praying together. He said there are churches right now that are meeting. They're called underground churches in different countries in the world. They can't meet in public like this. They're actually in hiding places. They're in someone's living room with almost all the lights turned out. They're in the basement of some business or some store. They're meeting together like that because the government has said, you know what? The church is not allowed in this country, but it can't stop it. 2,000 years of governments trying to stamp it out. And Jesus' words still echo true. No, my church will prevail against the gates of hell. Nothing will stop my church from accomplishing what I've set out for them to do. Do you realize that this morning? That together, if we will unite together, that unity that we have, that nothing can prevail against what God has called us to do. Not even the gates of hell. And when you think about it, it's pretty amazing, this idea of the church. You know, there's different ones of us, and we connect for different reasons, right? Like, we were listening to a leadership thing this morning, or this week, our staff was, and they were talking about people that love Apple products. Does anyone in here have an iPhone? And you can connect with other people that have Apple products, okay? I'm sorry for those of you that have Androids or other smartphones, okay? But there's some kind of natural connection, like you're passionate about that. Whether it's a Samsung or whether it's Apple or a different thing, like you have kind of that connection around that. There's people that connect, they don't know anything about each other, but you walk into Walmart or some store and you have the Cowboys jersey on and people are yelling. How many of you guys are Cowboys fans, right? There's that connection, right? You're connected to that group of people because you have that in common. And even though you don't know a lot about them, even though you don't know a lot of their history, there's that connection. That's the way it is in the church. It's this amazing thing. I mean, just take a moment. Look around this room this morning. 
Look at the beautiful faces that you don't often see. People sitting next to you, people sitting across the aisle. This is a very diverse group. I mean, when you look around this room, there are people that, as we go out this week, we're just making minimum wage. Other people are making over 100000 a year. How many of you guys would like to be them? Okay. There are people in this room that are all, all different ethnicities in this room. People that sit around you that didn't grow up in here in Mesquite. Some of you guys have been in this city all of your life. We're all very different, but we're united in one thing. We have a faith that Jesus is the hope of the world. That he saved us, that he's redeemed us. This is what makes us the church. It doesn't matter how diverse we are. It doesn't matter how different economically, ethnically, any of those things. We're together because we're the church. Because of that faith in who Jesus is. And he said that whenever my church gets together, whenever they're united together, there's nothing that can stop them. Not even the gates of hell is going to prevent them from accomplishing what I've called them to do. What I've called them to accomplish. See, that's what we're called to do. And we can't do it all on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. There's only so much. There's a limit. But when over 400 people that call NCC their home every week say, you know what? We're going to go out and we're going to live out this truth. We're going to connect together, encourage one another, challenge one another. Whenever that happens, all of a sudden, the forces of evil begin to be pushed back. I saw this once again in an amazing picture. I mentioned that I was in Southeast Asia. I was in Thailand. I'm in this church service on a Sunday morning with about 20 other believers. There's this guy up there leading worship. He's got a couple of guitar strings missing. There's literally a hole in the acoustic guitar that he's playing. It sounds kind of off key. But then as he begins to sing, 20 other believers just start to lift up their hands. I don't know what they're saying, you guys. I don't know the worship song that they're singing. But in that moment, I felt this deep connection with that church, with other people. Why? Because we're together. We're together because of one reason. We believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and that he sent us out to make a difference. What's amazing is that small church of 20 people are doing what we're talking about doing in August, what we try to do every week, what we try to live out. This group of 20 believers every week is sneaking across the border into Burma into refugee camps, into other areas. They're bringing food. They're bringing medical supplies. They're bringing education supplies. Because why? They believe that they're called to be the church and that no amount of evil, no government that's trying to keep them out will stop them from spreading the gospel of what Christ has called them to do. See, that's what we're doing here as the church here in America is we're saying, God, use us. Send us out into the community. God, don't let evil prevail. God, help us to be a light even in the midst of dark places. Church, we're better together. We're called to do this with each other to be the hope of the world. Ephesians 3.10 says this, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Paul says that in Ephesians 3.10, you know what? It's the church that God is revealing to the world to bring about his light. So even the demonic forces, even satanic forces, they begin to see the power of God's wisdom, the power of God lived out through the local church, through the people in this room, for believers that get together and start to realize that church, together, we can stop hell. We can stop the forces of evil. We can stop what we see all around us, and we can be a light that God has called us to be in the world. But it's not only that. 
If you still have your Bibles open, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start reading at verse 12. If you have that Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 558 in that Bible. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This book of the Bible is called Corinthians because it was written specifically to this church. And this church had a lot of disunity. They had a lot of things going on. And Paul wants to give them, the writer of this book wants to give them this picture of what it means to be the church, of what it means to be united. And so this is what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Paul's saying, church, you, you've got to stop the disunity that's going on. You've got to stop all of the arguments, all of those things that are happening. You need to realize that you're better together, that you're called to be united. It's like a human body. And whenever the body is functioning like it's supposed to, together we can get some stuff done. Church, whenever the body is moving the way that it needs to, together we can get some things done. There's some things that happen whenever the body of Christ is functioning exactly how it's supposed to. And so Paul says, imagine that. Picture it in your mind as if it's a human body and you guys are working together to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Church, I would say this as Paul's giving us this picture. If you're coming in here every week, and you're trying to do this thing on your own, you're doing it wrong. If you're trying to live as a Christian by yourself thinking, I can make it, I, I can struggle, I can get this thing done by myself, I don't need other people, you're doing this wrong. That's not what Jesus says we were meant to do. He gives us this picture, it's like a human body functioning. We are called to work together. Although there's different members, there's different parts, we're called and we're functioning as one. We are better together. I mean, can you imagine your body trying to work in disunity? You get out of bed in the morning, you fall to the ground because your legs are saying, hey, I'm not going to work today. Calling in sick, you guys. You sit down at the meal table, you telling, your mind is telling your arm to move the food to your mouth, but your hand is saying, you know what, I'm just going to go hang out at the lake today, okay? I think I'm going to take one, I'm going to take a day off. Um, you kind of do your own thing. You need to get by without me. It wouldn't work, would it? I mean, if you've ever been sick and a part of your body hasn't worked, it's like your whole body is affected. You can't function. You can't operate like you need to. You can't get as much stuff done. And Paul's saying that's what the church is. You need one another, you guys. We need each other. We're here to help, to support one another, to make sure that every person is getting exactly what we need, that we're all working together to accomplish what it is that God says this writer in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, another part of the Bible, says it like this. Don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This writer is saying, hey, some of you guys, you're not even getting together. You're like the leg not showing up. You're like the hand saying, I'm taking a day off. You're thinking that it's okay that you're not there, but it doesn't work like that. Don't neglect getting together because you need each other. You can do so much more together than you can ever do by yourself. God has something that he wants you to accomplish. We need each other in our lives. See, that's how things get done. 
Church, if you're just doing this by yourself, you're not connecting with people over here, something's missing out. See, some of us in this room, we think, you know what, it's really not that important whether I show up, whether I don't show up, whether I'm a part of the church, whether I'm not. As long as I believe in Jesus, I mean, that's it, right? But that's not all God has for you. See, I want to tell you, if you're sitting on this side of the room, there's something God spoke to you this week. There was something in your prayer time. There was something that you read that someone over here may vitally need. You may be over here on this side of the room, and you may have prayed this week, and God did something. God showed up. Maybe you were sick, and God healed you. And someone on this side of the room, they need your faith this morning. They need what God's doing in your life to encourage them, to challenge them, to go on. You were never meant to do this thing alone, but so many of us were trying to do this by ourselves. We don't realize that the church is God's gift to the world, not just outside of this room, but to each other. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? You're needed. You're vitally needed in the church. Your experience, your spiritual maturity, what you've read in the word of God, someone else over here desperately needs that to continue to grow in their relationship with God. We're God's gift to each other. We're God's gift to each other to minister, to support, to encourage one another. We're like the body making sure that every part has exactly what it needs to function. And I want you to get this picture in your mind that you're, you're, that you're God's gift, not only to those outside, but also to each other, that we need each other. We need to minister and encourage each other. And so I want to give you a gift this morning. And I've got some, some money up here, okay? It's a dollar bill. It's not a whole lot. So I don't know if you can buy a Coke or it's halfway to your Starbucks drink or something. But I, I, I want to give this. I'm going to try to get as much as I can to as many people as I can this morning to give this to you. Because every time you hold this, I want you to think, man, you are a gift to God. You're what God has called the church to be, that, that he's giving that to other people. And this is, this is the importance of it. As the church, we need to live this out. We need to realize that we're not just meant for ourselves, but God has a plan. God's done something in your life. God's doing something with you and speaking something to you that other people in this room vitally need to hear. You're, you're the gift of God. I'm so sorry. So I'm going to get I'm going to get everyone here. I'm going to get you a dollar, okay? So right here, you're God's gift to the world. And what he's saying is, I want to give you to people that are hurting. I want to give you to people that are in need. You need to understand that, church. What God is doing inside of your life, it's a gift to someone else that may vitally need it in that moment. Their faith may depend on it. What God wants to do in the future may be your word of encouragement. Maybe you sharing what God's doing in your life. That's the gift to the world. And so... So once again, this is a reminder. I'm going to get this to as many people as I can. How many of you guys see what's happening here? See, as a church, what we're doing so many times is we're God's gift to the world. And we're giving ourselves to the same two or three people over and over again. We have our little clique or our little group that we've met when we first came to the church. And there are other people that are in desperate need of what God's doing in our life. And we're comfortable right where we're at. And there are other people that are never going to receive this. If you and I don't step out of our comfort zones and say, God, I realize we're better together. Not just with the two people that I know, but God, who do you want me to step out and reach out to? Who can I start a relationship I'm not here this morning just for myself, but God, I'm here so that I understand this. What you want to do in the church, God, can impact everyone. What you want to do in my life, God, what you're speaking to me can mean life and hope 
to someone else that desperately needs this. Church, we're better together. And God this morning is challenging you. Don't hold it into yourself. Don't try to do this alone. But truly be the church, every part, every member playing their part, playing their role. And with that, there's so much that we can get done. There's so much ministry that can happen. There are people's marriages that are struggling that needs what you've learned in your marriage. There are people's faith that's wavering and they need to hear how God got you through that tough time in your life. There are people that are just opening up the Bible for the first time and they need that wisdom that you have as you've read it over and over again. See, we're called to do this together. We're better together than we ever are on our own. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room this morning, you're here, maybe you've come for a number of weeks, maybe it's just your first Sunday. And this morning you realize that you were meant to live in a relationship before you can ever be a part of God's church, before he can ever send you out to stop the forces of hell, to, to minister to other people, to use your life to encourage others, it starts with the relationship with him. Being part of his church isn't just showing up in a room on a Sunday morning. It's that relationship that we have with God that unites us together. And if that's you, you're here in this room and you're saying, Aaron, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to get to know the God that loves me, that's pursued me, that's given his life for me. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you in a moment to get out of your seats, to come forward to the altar. I want to pray with you. The word of God is very clear. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We're all desperately in need of this realization that Peter said, where we can look at Jesus and say, you are the Christ. You're the hope of the world. You're God's plan of salvation. You are the son of the living God. And I want to accept you. I want to receive you in my life. I want that relationship. And Jesus is here this morning inviting you. He's not here to condemn you or to judge you. He's inviting you this morning to come to start that relationship with him. I'm so excited for you this morning. Praying with you. Anyone else? I'll wait just one moment. God's speaking. Don't miss this opportunity. We all need that relationship with him. We all need to come to that place where we invite him in. Well, church, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me, whether you're saying it for the first time, whether you've prayed this before, please repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I need a fresh start. So I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins make me new be the lord of my life be the savior of my life i give myself to you and i pray this in your name amen church can we put our hands together this morning and celebrate the word of god says that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes and says god i want that relationship with you and I want to encourage all of us, we're all going to respond. We're going to take just a moment here. And I want to challenge you, we're called to live as a church together. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these things. 
these three things down really quickly. I'm going to give them to you. This is how we're going to respond this morning. In order for us to be the church, we have to be united together. We've just said that we're better together. So what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to come 10 minutes early and to stay 10 minutes late. This is going to be backwards for some of you guys. Some of you have been coming 10 minutes late and leaving 10 minutes early, okay? So we're going to shift that a little bit. It's okay. We're just shifting things a little bit, okay? Come in 10 minutes early, stay 10 minutes late. What this does is it helps you start to get to know people. Helps you find out their story. Helps you ask about what's going on in their life. And so we want to bridge those relationships. The second thing is own your section. What do I mean by that? Most of us sit in the same place week after week. I mean, I can just look out and I can picture where you're at and then kind of know who was here or who wasn't here this week, okay? Because most of us typically sit in that same area, that same row. What if we decided we're going to get to know the people around us? God, we want to build relationships with the people that sit by us. And if we said this, God, we're going to make sure that marriages don't fail. We're going to make sure that no one has to do this alone. We're going to make sure that people are growing and that they're challenged in their faith, that we can pray for one another. I am going to get to know the people that I sit by, that I worship around every week. And if someone's missing, not going to wait for the pastor, not going to wait for someone else to call them. I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to let them know that I miss them. I'm going to make sure that there's not something going on in their life that I can pray with them about. I want to get to know the people that I'm around so I'm going to own that section. And the last thing is meet someone new every Sunday. I mean, imagine how much more welcoming and friendly this place would be if we said, hey, we're all going to just introduce ourselves to people. We're going to get to know other people. We're going to make sure that no one has to come in here and sit by themselves on a Sunday morning. We're going to make sure that no one comes in week after week with no one really knowing their name. And all they get is a handshake and then they walk out. No, we want to know people's story. We want to know what's going on. See, that's our heart as a church. We want to do that. We're doing that right after this service right here. If you're brand new, if you've been coming for a few weeks, we have Connect Lunch. And that's just our chance to get to know a little bit more about you. And so today, lunch is on us. It's free. Don't rush out. Stay after. There's more people here from the church that are going to be there at that lunch. You're going to get a chance to get to know others. But as we close, this is how we're going to dismiss this morning is we're going to take just about two or three minutes and do this in this room. We're going to connect again. And I want to challenge you as we connect, don't just walk up to someone and shake their hand and say, oh, nice to see you here. Ask something about them. Ask what movie they've seen recently or how they came to NCC or how long they've been coming. Do something to find out a little bit more of their story. And I want to challenge you, please don't rush out this morning. Please don't just head for the doors do this, church. Let's begin to live out what Jesus said, that together, whenever we're united, that not even the gates of hell can stand against us, that whenever we're united together, that there's some amazing things that can happen whenever the body of Christ is functioning like it needs to. So if you would go ahead and do that this morning, there's going to not be any formal dismissal. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Take about two or three minutes. Look for someone in the room that you don't know, maybe that you haven't met yet. Get out, introduce yourself to them, get to know them a little bit.